Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners from Los Angeles to Long Island, age successfully, making your second half of life even better than the first. Today, we'll be talking with Jack Kupferman, the president of the Great Panthers NYC. Now, Jack may not be a household name, but he should be. For decades, he's been a fighter for the rights of seniors everywhere, from the families in your neighborhood to villages in Nepal. There's a saying in the field of social activism, think globally, act locally. Well, Jack Kupferman has done both with fierce devotion and great success. As you'll hear shortly, Jack was always surrounded by older adults. Starting from the age of three, Jack found himself engaging with and learning from seniors every day as a result of his parents owning a rest home in upstate New York. So it's no surprise that today is at the center, Jack is at the center of a major virtual event next month to honor the nursing home lives lost as a result of COVID-19 while raising awareness of the need for broad transformation nursing homes. A former attorney for New York City's Department for the Aging, Jack has been involved in many groundbreaking programs over the years. In today's conversation, Jack will offer a healthy slice of his storied career. Following Hurricane Sandy, for example, he established a task force to assure inclusion of the needs of older New Yorkers in the city's emergency planning efforts. He served as a senior attorney and administrative judge for the city of New York's rental assistance program for senior citizens. And he led the Grain Green Coalition, a partnership of New York City organizations serving older people to examine how climate change has affected older adults. And that's just a few of his initiatives. On a global scale, Jack's activities have included his efforts to ensure that the needs of older persons are part of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, addressing poverty, illiteracy, healthcare, and lifelong learning. Throughout his life of advocacy, Jack's passion has been to change the perception of aging and promote a deeper understanding of how pervasive ageism really is. You'll learn of one of his dreams for the future, mobilizing older persons of the world to demand more of their governments to secure their rights and claim their power. And, oh yes, Jack will reveal what it took to become a national aerobics champion while in his mid-40s. So now let's learn more about the life and times of this tireless champion for the aging, Jack Kupferman. Jack, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Ron. I'm really honored to be part of this podcast and I'm um, looking forward to sharing with you. Great, great. Now, I, I know that one of the central things we'll talk about, Jack, is uh, this May 20th uh, Day of Remembrance for Nursing Home Residents. But before we talk about that, why don't, you know, this isn't something, as, as my introduction um, uh, indicated, that you've just parachuted into, that it's, yes, nursing homes has become a hot topic, you know, with COVID and the number, unfortunately, of nursing home deaths. But this is something you've been we're looking at for quite some time. So tell a little bit more about how you how you really from a very young age uh, got involved with nursing homes and, and, and awareness of nursing home residents in their lives. Ron, you know, as, as you mentioned, my parents owned a rest home in Rockland County. Right. It was called the Garneville Home for Adults. So literally we lived in the same building. We hung out with the people, the residents. They were our friends. You know, we'd eat with them or whatever it is. And of course, 
if there was something that happened, we would be responsible for taking care of for taking care of them, whether they had impairments or not. It was just part, it was our life. And uh, that kind of impelled me that this is what I wanted to do, work with my peeps. My peeps are old people. And they've always been old people since I was three years old. So, you know, this is, I'm now 66, so that's been quite a span. Um, and I just love it. There aren't, there, at the time, there weren't that many people who really con were concerned about the conditions facing older people. Now, that's a little different, despite the fact that while there's been progress, not that much has changed. So um, that's kind of a little bit. So my familiarity with long-term care for older people had its genesis as I was a child. So let's jump right into this event on May 20th, which I think is an important event, um, and uh, how you came up with the event and what it involves and uh, what you'd like to see as the goals to come out of it. Well, what Grey Panthers NYC is doing is that we're putting together an online event to honor the, the 182,000 plus nursing home lives that have been lost due to COVID. And we as a country and as even as individuals have not had that opportunity to grieve. We want to offer a forum uh, so that people have the opportunity to hear stories and to connect with the nursing home residents themselves, those who have passed and those who have, who remain. It's, we're, we're getting video testimonials from family members, from uh, the staff who have been, all of them, Almost all of them have been heroes. They give up, literally, they've been giving up their lives to protect the nursing home residents and uh, from the families of nursing home residents. To hear these heart-wrenching stories of which everybody can relate to. Uh, grief is one of those common human experiences that we all must experience go through in order to begin the healing process. One of the things that we realized is that there hasn't been a whole lot of attention to the nursing home residents. And people see nursing home residents as the other, but they're really not. They're not only are they your grandparents and your sisters and your uh, friends, but they are you. Mm-hmm. And so what, this is part of what we're doing on May 20th online from 5 to 6 p.m. We're putting together uh, an hour, sir, an hour um, it's not a memorial, but a remembrance, which has been a very big project because we're doing this truly on a shoestring. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping to get, if we're lucky, an audience of one million. We are in, we've entitled this Honoring Nursing Home Lives Lost. So that's yeah. that's a short description of this. Right, right. And I'll mention this again later in the show as we end, but but also I'm going to put a flyer for the event on my website, broboresource.com, so that you'll be able to access information about that and, and remind yourself about it and, and sign up. And register, uh, yes. Register, register, right. register. register. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, I think th this is important. I think we were we had a, we were having a conversation about just the lives of nursing residents that they they still have 
lives. You know, these are people who have lives and dreams and, and can do things. And, um, you know, I think that this, you know, this is one of your big things too about, you know, ageism and age, age segregation. And I think that's a really unfortunate aspect to our society where we, you know, you know, unlike other protected classes, and I certainly understand the, the um, rationale for, you know, minorities and women and you know, people of color. Uh, but interestingly, you know, the the class of, of older people is a class, a protected class that we all end up in, <laughs> you know, right. and, and yet we, we, we constantly avoid it and ignore it and have a hard time talking about it. Just on that uh, point, one of the things that we all have to remember is that all of us are aging. At the moment that you pop out of the toaster, mm -hmm. you're aging. Right. And during this conversation, you're aging. It is, and it, that is perhaps the most common denominator of life is aging. Right. And one of the things that's happened over the course of the past 50 years, the uh, number of 70 years, let's say, the number of people who are older has been growing dramatically. And society has not yet caught up to that. One of the things that's also important is that part of my belief why there hasn't been as much attention or not so much sympathy, but policy attention and changing of institutions is because people do what they know. Mm -hmm. Everyone is aging, but nobody has been old until they're old. Right. Everyone has been a child. They can understand what it's like to be a child. They don't understand what it's like to be older. So there isn't the same kind of um, affiliation. And right. that's part of what we all need to do is to establish that affiliation. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit now about, um, uh, well, let's see your, your immediate uh, uh, position as a, you know, the volunteer president of the Grey Panthers NYC. Um, but tell us a little bit more about the organization. Uh, you mentioned to me previously that, that you have a strategic plan that focuses on ageism, long-term care, social security, and confronting systemic discrimination. But you know, flesh this out a little bit. Tell us what you what sorts of things that you're involved in and the organization overall. Well, just uh, many people uh, of a particular age, or if you've studied activism. Um, the founder, Maggie Kuhn, was one right. of the most important activists of the 20th century. And she was the voice and she was the embodiment of older people as influencers and in power. Right. Um, so that kind of history is really essential. Many other people have stepped into those shoes and it's incredibly important. Now, what we're looking at in part is looking at everything through the lens of age. That is, how do we overcome our perception? Not so much, over, actually, that was the wrong word. Overcome is the wrong word. How do we understand our perceptions of age mm -hmm. and address them? So uh, this past year, we did a, uh, Great Panthers NYC did a strategic planning to identify those four components. And our first project is uh, in terms of long-term care, we decided to look at COVID, nursing homes, and death. Um, so uh, 
before this event, we also did put together a website called Senior Strong NYC mm -hmm. to identify uh, resources in ways that people at home could use the internet or use whatever it is to thrive, not just to be isolated at home. Uh, so that was the first project. This is the second project. And after this, we are trying to, we're working towards assembling a coalition of activists and uh, advocates for, to work towards nursing home transformation mm -hmm. so that we move, we expect to be able to move away from the medical model of care to a more humanistic model of care mm -hmm. in terms of nursing home. That's just one, one component on addressing systemic race, uh, systemic discriminations. That's all the discriminations, whether it's sexism, homophobia, racism, income inequality, uh, ableism. These things still need to be addressed. And we want to, we ex are always doing this on an intergenerational basis, mm -hmm. meaning that it's not just older people that are involved in the fray, it's finding our younger partners who need to understand this. Right. And they are often eager to do it despite the fact that they don't understand it to begin with. Right, right. And I understand uh, that you, you've developed an internship program that deals with uh, educating and, and basically an exchange with younger people and toward a greater, broader understanding of ageism. Yes, what we've been, we have been extremely successful in attracting some of the best students of the, in the United States to work with us on, generally for the summers. And um, on issues of importance, whether it's writing policy briefs or dealing with stuff at the UN or doing uh, a great deal of research, because we're about change, not service. So the, it is an inevitability that every single one of these uh, college students will come to me and say, this stuff is so important. These issues are so critical. How come nobody ever told us about this? How come we never learned about it and it's not in any of the um, materials or in any books that we've ever had to be um, required to deal with, it's either at curriculum. home or yeah. at school? Right. Right. Not in the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. So how do people find out about this program? How do they participate both in, the, in this program, but also in the, the Great Panthers in general? How do you join? Uh, tell a little bit how, about how the organization is organized. Well, we are informal mm -hmm. and our website is greatpanthersnyc.org. That's now our primary mode of communication. Um, and what we're doing now is we're doing project by project. The project is now uh, nursing home transformation. And we're looking for people who can help us, not so much organize because the event is organized, but to help promote and to help us do some of the advocacy. We have a lot of big plans ahead. Whether or not we'll be able to make them happen is a different story. Of course, there's always the issue for getting resources, people, money, digital, that sort of thing. Um, one of the other things that does happen often, despite the fact that we are small and grassroots. Every week, I usually get a couple of phone calls mm -hmm. 
from people from around the country asking for assistance of various stripes. Either they're looking for an attorney or they're ha having some family strife or uh, they believe that they've been the, the, um, the target of age discrimination. And it's fascinating to hear people's stories and usually what we're not usually able to help them. However, we are almost always able to point them in the right direction for so that they can get the assistance that they're looking for. And can you go to the website and join the organization? Or yes, you... absolutely. Okay. GreatPanthersNYC.org. And, you know, there's um, membership, there's donations, there's uh, we're just updating the, the website right now so that we'll have the the links for registration to the event. If we're lucky, the dream is that we're going to get 1 million, um, an audience of 1 million. Right. The likelihood is low, right? but one, a boy can dream. Right, right. But now also for the, the internship program in particular, is there a, a, a tab or link to go to that people want to participate in that? What we do, not so much a tab or link, uh, but what we do is that uh, I'll take any... Um, internship applications, resume, and cover letter. Mm -hmm. That's all you need. Right. Um, and the cover letter, please don't, if people are interested, I'm not interested in, I'm a team player. Right. I'm interested in what brings you to, uh, to us for whatever reason. Right, right. Um, and submit it through the greatpanthers.org website. Okay. And that, that would be awesome. Also on our, our website are testimonials from prior interns about basically how it changed their life. Right. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. Um, so there's a lot more to talk about. Um, I'm going to basically um, see if we can uh, take a quick break now. Uh, but uh, don't go away, everybody. We have a lot more to talk about with Jack Kupperman, president of the Great Panthers NYC. Um, so uh, we'll be back very shortly. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, Please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. 
Welcome back, folks, where we're talking with Jack Kupperman, the president of the Great Panthers NYC, a lifelong advocate for the rights of older people. Uh, before the break, we were talking about various initiatives Jack's been involved with. Um, and before he was with the Great Panthers, um, he was a very active uh, an attorney fighting for the rights of, of uh, older people in many capacities. He worked in the general counsel's office for the Department of Aging of New York, New York City. Um, and I'm just going to go through a couple of uh, what I found interesting initiatives that Jack was involved in. Um, first, um, uh, he was a catalyst for an audit by the controller of the state of New York to examine the effectiveness and penalties uh, and fines against nursing homes. Uh, so let's continue on nursing homes. And then I've got a couple other things I want to talk about as well. Thanks so much, Ron. Um, you know, as president of Grey Panthers, we had, uh, we have a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our board members had suggested that we reach out to the controller's office for to talk about penalties, the effectiveness of oversight. So what we ended up doing is we wrote a detailed letter to the controller's office of the state of New York, talking about the, these things aren't working and here's a, a roadmap um, for improvement of the oversight of nursing homes in New York State. Much to our surprise, the controller's office called me back hmm. and said, this is something that we would like to look at. Would you like to come in for a meeting? It's like, oh my God, yes. So as a result of that, um, it, a groundbreaking, um, we had our meeting, we came in with other advocates and uh, it took a, a year for the audit. To, this was not a financial audit. This was a, a performance audit. And the results were not surprising that the fines and penalties that, it, that were purported to be imposed by the Department of Health were not really effective in improving the quality of care and service in New York State nursing homes. A, because most of it was just a slap on the wrist Consequently, the recommendations were adopted by the State of New York Department of Health and with increased oversight and enforcement. So um, at the, and this particular report ended up being heard around the world. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of media attention for the controller's office, not so much for us, which fine. It wasn't about us. It was about the, it's about the people. It's always about the people. So um, that was a beautiful little feather mm-hmm. to be able to say we actually were able to help touch, improve the lives of older people in New York. Right, right, right. And, and, and then yeah. I, I just wanted to sure. follow up on that. From that, we did an event at the UN, mm-hmm. which was who's watching the watchdogs? meaning who's doing the oversight in various countries, including the U.S., of those regulators of nursing homes. Mm -hmm. Again, there was a wide range of, um, on the panel, there was a wide range of opinions. And following that, again, little tiny things, there was a representative from Germany who was at that panel, came up to me and said after it, because... We, we organized and chaired it, of course, uh, came up to me and said, this was really important. 
I'm on the commission that's looking at the improvement of nursing homes in Germany. You've given us a great deal to think about. Yeah, I think that these are, you know, and I'm glad that I hope as, as we now everyone, you know, from the state legislature here to elsewhere is uh, a lot of lawmakers are, are looking at this issue, but I hope that they are aware of the previous, you know, groundbreaking work you, you know, you and others have done, because I think people, there's an, you know, an imperative to action without looking at, well, what do we really need to do and what, 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 what's, what do we already know from these issues, so. One of the things that's important to note is that there is, there are a whole host of people who are committed to nursing home right. reform. We are hardly amongst the most influential or the most knowledgeable. However, we do have the passion. Right. So it's, let's acknowledge everybody who's doing this. Right. And I think too, you know, that, you know, when you work on policy and, and um, programs to deal with the most vulnerable in society, I think many, in many ways, you're working on a template to help all of society. Because if you can handle the issues that affect these, this, this demographic, you can apply these more broadly to improve the lives of everybody. You know, I think that's something that, you know, that I, I think came through with the, um, the ADA and the disabilities movement, right. realizing that, wait a minute, this isn't just good for uh, dis the disabled, it's, it's, it's good for the able-bodied as well. You know? Absolutely right. Yeah. And what happens is that if you're taking care of whatever the issues are for older people, you're correct in saying that that um, helps everyone. Right. We need to look at older people generally as resources, not right. burdens. Right, right. And that looking at their ability to contribute, not their, not only their deteriorations. Right, right. So let's uh, talk a little bit about a couple of other things. Um, so you served as a senior attorney and administrative judge for the city's rental assistance program for seniors. Um, what was that about? And what, what were some of the issues there you were dealing with? Mainly that's the SCREE program, Senior Citizen Rent Increase Exemption Program, administered by the city of New York through the Department for the Aging. Right. At the time, there were like 45,000 households and it was a, a lot of money that was being about a hundred, this is 10 years ago, about a hundred million dollars in tax credits to landlords. What the, the what it was is that you freeze the, the rent of eligible seniors of low and moderate income, and you give the landlord a dollar for dollar tax abatement instead of the rent increase. Right. It's complicated. Right. right. And what we found, of course, is that there is, um, when you're when you're dealing with housing mm -hmm. that is one of the most stressful components of your life correct by almost by definition the people who we're dealing with do not have uh, a reservoir of resources so there's a lot of reliance on assistance either from families or from government or whatever it may be so what we were doing is this was the administration of the of the program and we would obviously look at the applications um and make an evaluation and if people my my responsibility was oversee the unit where if they didn't like what we had done they'd have the opportunity to appeal it or contest it mm -hmm. one way or the other 
Well, I think that, you know, again, this is an issue to me that um, is important, you know, deals with rental housing. As you said, housing is a critical component, but it's also not bought, but, and it's an issue for younger people as well. I think one of the things we've come to realize is even in, uh, now I'm in a suburban area, and of course, uh, many of uh, policymakers out here um, look at single family housing, but that's not really what a lot of seniors and younger people need. And so there is a move and the people are finally catching on to the need for the a diversity of housing to meet the diversity of our population. Uh, but it, it's taken some work to do so. So, and especially because, you know, these are, uh, you know, both younger and older uh, need rental housing. They need more flexibility in spending and they don't have as much income. So I think that's a really an important um, initiative that people just think, oh, it's just for seniors. No, it's for every, once again, it's for everybody. What, one of the things that we found often is that it was surprising to me how often in the households of the seniors that there were younger people living there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm whether they were grandchildren or nieces and nephews or whatever it may be. Um, and so it put a greater burden on the senior to try to uh, be part of a, a household, a multi-generational household. The kids were not generally bringing in any kind of income, but you know um, that whole issue, and you're also talking about the diversity of types of housing. As you get older, and you're in your apartment or your home for a long time, there's needs for renovation and alteration, as well as um, as your body changes, how do you negotiate? How do you get in and out? Mm-hmm. And uh, you were also referencing about uh, assistance for, or talking about uh, single family homes and homeowners. That issue, so important because by definition you are as a single family home you are separated from your neighbor and it's not quite as easy for an older person to uh for other people to be able to know that there's something going on in that person's home or not um and there's a sometimes there's a backlash when assistance is being provided to uh, seniors in any realm, but it really shouldn't be. Uh, just as you're referencing that uh, it helps everybody. And there's no point in making this a generational divide because the, the point is to be of assistance to your fellow human being. Right, right. I, I think this sort of leads me into the, uh, another one of the initiatives, which I think... Um, deals with it. Well, in this particular instance, it was following uh, Hurricane Sandy. Uh, Again, in the city, uh, you established and ran a task force to assure inclusion of the needs of older New Yorkers in the city's emergency planning efforts. So again, I I think that this, you know, it's distinctive, but it also relates to everyone because, you know, during these crises, you know, and there's no indication that they're going to stop. You know, we saw, saw the, the, horrendous uh, impact of the cold weather in Texas. Um, you know, there are you know, successive storms and hurricanes and disasters. Um, so I think that, you know, in these situations, I think especially when seniors are in um, suburban uh, settings, 
they're isolated. Um, they, you need, but they need to be, in some ways they need to be uh, especially included in, in terms of the emergency planning, particularly because a lot of these people are your parents or of middle-aged people or your grandparents. Mm. They're not just seniors, they're part of your family. And how do we, you know, so, I, and in this case, so I think there, there may be some additional things we need to do, but it's worth it. You know, as you're referencing, you know, my work with the, on planning, emergency planning, for seniors and the disabled following Sandy, I'm gonna talk about two things. Okay. First is a, a story, and then is where we saw the impact that could be made. This is a personal story. Immediately after Sandy, you know that the uh, all the power went out. Right. So uh, went up to, I was volunteering, did a couple of times at Meals on Wheels to do home deliveries of meals. When I went there, saw one of my old friends, so we went out together. Um, and we had a place, we knew where we had to go. There was 20 floors up to deliver the meals. We went up with the meals, knocked on the door, no answer. Knocked on the door, no answer. Knocked on the door, no answer. The neighbor said that they hadn't seen the, the senior for a few days. Hmm. So we all got quite upset. We called the cops. Ultimately, the cops and the ambulance came. They, we were able to get some of the, got the management to open the door. And the person was on the floor. Hmm. Had been on the floor for a few days. Wow. And had we not come, she would have died. Wow. So it was a, that was an oh my God moment. Thank God that we were able to do that and we were not willing myself and my friend we waited until the cops and the ambulance came to take them away take her away um and found out that she was ultimately okay but she had not eaten or uh drank for like two or three days so that's the power of volunteering right and the other thing that goes on is um when we were doing our um our planning we were meeting some of the planning commissions most of these people who were on these planning commissions were young people and enthusiastic. When I began to explain to them the issues of universal design mm -hmm. and how things might be able to be adjusted or included in a grand plan, the, you could see the lights going off in their heads. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my God, this is so important. And yet we hadn't thought of it before. We need to adjust some of our thinking in how we're doing the urban landscape following Sandy. So the mere fact that we were able to show that as an example to the younger people who were so enthusiastic and who were eager to hear that, but they just hadn't heard it before. So that's one of those little things that maybe we made a difference. Don't know. I'm sure you did, I, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, for those uh, who aren't familiar with universal design, this is a sort of an architectural principle that is becoming more and more the norm uh, when, especially under new construction, but also in renovation where you do things like widening doorways that are uh, for wheelchair users, or again, for younger families, um, people who are using baby carriages. So it's and a principle. Kind of like curb cuts. Mm -hmm. 
or uh, door instead of doorknobs, you have latches. Right. Uh, things like that. Right. Right. Well, I hope um, that uh, you know that some of the we, we make use of some of these um, uh, crises that you're mentioning, Jack, to really uh, think more carefully about crisis planning. Because again, it's important for for all families, but I think especially you know as our society is getting older, there are more you know the um, I think in one of our previous shows I mentioned that there, now there are uh, more Americans over the age of sixty than under eighteen. So, you know, this is where we're headed. We need to really be cognizant of what the needs are, even if they're, you know, they seem like accommodations. They're, they're accommodations for all of us and they make our families more secure. I can't, I can't uh, tell you how many people were worried about their grandparents during, uh, not even Sandy, but the more recent uh, storms we've had where, you know, you, you can't get in touch with them. You know, what, what are the ways that we are gonna engage our communities to, to help people at all sorts of levels and deal with what you mentioned here, which is isolation. I think that's the real potential, um, well, I have to say potential killer in some cases, as you point out. So, um, but uh, so listen, we're gonna, we're gonna take another quick break, Jack. Um, uh, we'll be come back with much more. Uh, there, uh, there's lots still to talk about. Uh, so folks, uh, don't go away. We'll be back very shortly with much more from Jack Kupferman. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, everyone, to 45 Forward, where we're talking with Jack Kupferman, the president of uh, the Great Panthers NYC. And in my introduction, I was mentioning that one of uh, Jack's initiatives was the uh, leading the Gray and Green Coalition, a partnership of NYC organizations serving older people uh, to examine how climate change uniquely affects older persons and also what we can do about it. Uh, It seems like a very interesting idea. So tell me more about that, Jack. Well, again... Uh, this was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Great Panthers understood that there was a, a relationship between the environment and older people. We weren't quite sure what it was, um, but it was, it affects, climate change affects literally everyone. And we wanted to start examining how does that affect older people? Mm-hmm. Not only at a, a policy level, but also at a personal level. So we did a, a number of um, events focusing on how um, climate change and environmental concerns affect older people and what they can do to make the world a better place. And we looked at that both in the statewide, in the states, and also globally. Um, so now the issue of climate change and older people has taken a lot more, it's gotten garnered a lot more attention. But at the time that we started, literally no one mm-hmm. had even thought of the connection. Doesn't mean we were doing that, you know, making that much of an impact, but because um, our effort was small, quite small. But um, we were talking about what are small things that older people could do to improve the environment, how they, whether how they recycled, what they did, how they moved, and give options and discussions on those things. Not in, uh, in kind of a very broad way. But one of the things that, the, the unique things that we found is that, or the resilience of older people. Mm-hmm. Over the course, of, as you get older, you have, okay, I've seen it, I've done it, I know it. So when there's a an issue, older people are often like, okay, I saw in my life, I've had an ex- some experience that I had to overcome. I can apply those same skills to uh, dramatic changes that are occurring now, despite the deterioration of my body. Hmm. So um, that was a theme that mm-hmm. happened. Another theme that we found, the, the surprising things, at least on a global level, uh, one of the things that fascinated me was the effects of the Sahara or Africa becoming more of a desert. What was happening as climate change on the global level means drought. Often it means drought. Mm -hmm. And when it's drought, the people in the poor villages, rural poor, poor villages, don't have the economic resources anymore. So the young people go to the cities and the older people stay in the rural villages. Mm-hmm. They become, by necessity, the caregivers and the uh, alternative parents. So they are taking the um, they're taking the the role of the parent, which is an example of how older people are resources, not burdens. Even here in the States, we see grandparents taking a much larger role in the raising of their grandchildren than almost they have in the entirety of the modern age. Right, right. So this is uh, older people as resources, not burdens. Right, right. Without, without the grandparents, without the older people, 
the younger people are not going to thrive. Right, right. So, and this kind of came out of the um, part of the Grand Green. There are other things, of course, and we looked at policy recommendations as the city of New York was uh, trying to look at environmental issues of environmental justice. And we made sure that uh, we did a little policy brief on including the concerns of older people in New York City. I, I do want to get into a, a bit of an interesting sidebar, um, and that is um, uh, your uh, National Aerobics Championship, uh, which I think this is an interesting thing people don't think about. So I wanted to um, um, uh, have you talk about how that came up. Oh, sure. Um, 1996 was the worst year of my life, by far. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of death, a lot of loss, and my own personal um, health issues kind of came to the fore. And I thought I might also be dying. And I wanted to do something amazing before I died. And I didn't know what it was. I decided that I wanted to uh, do competitive aerobics which is kind of like a floor routine of gymnastics without the tumbling. And um, I'd seen it before and I was like so awed by it. And I said, mm -hmm. I want to try to do that. Now you got to remember, I'm not, I was not an athlete, had no dance background, no movement background, no flexibility, no athletic background, never been on a team. And I was like uh, 43. 44, something like that. That's when mm -hmm. I started. Uh, maybe 42, whatever it was. Right. And I found coaches that would take me. Some, many coaches said that they wouldn't take me because I had no background. So I was working my ass off <laughs> for uh, four years. And like my teammates would um, be cheering me on despite the fact that I had no talent. One of my coaches said, you don't need talent. We will find your talent. <laughs> That's great. And so um, a number of times, you know, my first uh, competition in Chicago, there were people, men of my age, and they were trying to psych me out. I didn't even know what they were talking about. They, <laughs> so, and I ended up winning that competition, um, despite the fact that they were trying to psych me out. Then two years later, it was a fluke. But nonetheless, I have my National Aerobic Championship for 2001, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the proudest moments of my life. And going from literally a couch potato to being able to, I had decent flexibility. Mm -hmm. um, I, was, I actually was able to do a real split. Wow. <laughs> and my, my, you know, for, I didn't, wasn't able to do it often, but I was able to do it with a lot of pain to get to that point. One of the proudest moments of my life and kind of said to me, I can do a lot of stuff. Um, and um, it fills me with joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. To know that I did that. Right. And right. that I can, that there's just so much more for me to, to do. 
and my teammates, my, my continuing uh, nickname for my teammates, and I, I'm in touch with many of them still, it's always Papa Jack. <laughs> it's always Papa Jack. Papa Jack. You know, because, and if there was somebody who was difficult on the team, Papa Jack, would you please talk to them? Wow. wow. Um, so, and I was on ESPN. I was on ESPN. All the jocks from high school, none of them were on ESPN. I was not a jock in high school. I was not a jock in college. None of them, some of them may have been on other types of national TV, but none of them were on ESPN. It was me. <laughs> Gives us all great hope. I, I yeah, I, I do remember, and now it's a few years back now for me as well, but uh in my 40s, I was, uh, at, at that time, a member of a, a gym, I had a trainer, and uh, they were putting me through paces, and they said, well, we'll have a tournament in the, of all the, the folks in the gym here. And then, you know, we, it, it was uh, sort of like, a, you know, a, a, a much uh, easier, you know, marine test as we had in high school. But right. but anyway, so went through it, and, uh, you know, toward the end, they said, uh, oh, by the way, Ron, you won. I'm like, what? You know, it's it's a really nice feeling that you can you can still again your body has resilience over the years if you train. There are lots of things you can do. You know, I remember um, you know uh, listening to an interview with a ninety year old woman who was uh, doing yoga and standing on her head, and and they said, "Well, how do you do this?" And she said, "Well, you just never stop. You know, you just keep going." And I think that's uh, you know a great encouragement um, for a lot of people just keep going. So, um, so uh, one of the things uh, I, th I think we've squeezed a little bit more time here. So I'm going to, I wanted to, to you to talk a little bit about some of your, a little bit more about um, um, the, your uh, global initiatives. Uh, the, the one I, I found intriguing too, was your, your literacy effort in Nepal. Tell us a bit more about that. Okay. I've been representing Grey Panthers. Grey Panthers has accreditation at the United Nations. And so therefore, um, we have the opportunity to join committees. We One of the committees that we Grey Panthers is a member of is the NGO Committee on Aging. They had a, a, um, a small fund that myself and one of uh, the other members who's a superstar in advocacy for aging for older people, uh, and that was to focus on important but under-acknowledged concerns of older people globally. We decided that one of the efforts that we were gonna focus on was um, basic literacy for older people in the least developed countries. So uh, I wrote a, a RFP and we were able to distribute it, got 70 responses from all over the world and we had the assistance of professors from uh, University of Texas and, and all that sort of stuff. In any event, the superstar was Aging Nepal. Mm -hmm. They started a project for older women in Kathmandu to teach them basic literacy, how to read, write, and numbers. Uh, the, the, because all these people have been illiterate. And you cannot be illiterate in this, in this world anymore. Mm -hmm. You just can't do it. Whether it's about financial, you need to be able to handle things through financial or uh, navigating services 
or even dealing with your grandchildren or your children who are asking for your help. And this is a universal thing. It isn't only about the poor countries, it's about the rich countries. So um, we, Nepal was a superstar. I'm still in touch with them. And um, the executive director of uh, Aging Nepal, which is awesome, he credits me to as kind of his mentor, even though I don't know that, I don't really know about uh, literacy, but how to shape things. And over the course of the past three years, after our funding stopped, because we only get a small amount of money, mm-hmm. he was able to leverage that. And importantly, um, we were able to, he applied for and got the UNESCO Literacy Prize this past year, right. which is kind of like the Oscars of literacy. Great, great. Uh, now, uh uh, I think I am going to have you back and, and talk about there. There are several other things I wanted to get to, but we'll have to save that for another show. Uh, you've been a terrific guest, Jack. Uh, I appreciate all the, the, the stories. And, I got uh, good stories. You do. You have great stories. Uh, in the meantime, if people have questions for you, what's the best way for them to contact you, Jack? You can contact me at jack at greatpanthersnyc.org. Okay. That's jack at greatpanthersnyc.org. Or if you want to call me, okay. I'm, I'm good at giving out my phone number. Okay. 917-535-0457. Great. That's Great. 917-535-0457. Great. Thanks very much. And folks, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll be talking with uh, Brian Andrew Tully and uh, Iris Wachler. We'll be having a great conversation about how to provide a very holistic view of how to take care of your elder parents. It'll be a unique conversation. You won't want to miss it. So until then, keep moving forward, 45 forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.